Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. Hello, everybody. It's just me. It's just Madigan. I kept the regular intro, but now I guess it's kind of awkward because it's just me alone talking to myself. So hi, everybody. As you hopefully know by now, Keegan is actually in Missouri. She is working with the Black Lives Matter group over there. She's doing so many awesome things. I'm so proud of her. Um, I haven't had many updates from her yet, so I've got to ask her a bit more of what she's doing. So maybe I can fill you guys in next week on all of that fun stuff. So before we get started on the news, I wanted to fill you all in a bit on what I have planned for while Keegan is away. So I have planned a series that I am calling Bad Girls, where I will tell the stories of four women that are very different than what you would usually hear on the show. While they're notorious, they are not inspiring feminist women, but they did make an impact on women's history. So I'm really excited for you all to know who I'm going to talk about, to hear all those stories, and get some feedback. I really hope you all like everything. Okay, also, I want to thank everybody who has been sending in their five-star reviews. It means so much to Keegan and I. We always screenshot them and send them to each other. We read every single one. I swear we're not super vain. Um, We just really love reading how much you like us. We've even gotten some constructive criticism in the reviews, and we always really appreciate it. And on top of all of that... Reviewing us on Apple Podcasts is like the best way that you can support us as like a business, as a podcast. If you guys really like what you're listening to, having a good review out there means the absolute world to us and we really appreciate it. So I've got a few things to get to. I have no idea how long this is all going to take. I highly doubt I'm going to take up 30 minutes of your time talking to myself. So let's just jump in. First off, I want to talk about the vice presidential debate. I got most of my notes on this subject from two Politico articles, and also I watched it. Let's note that before the debate on Wednesday, and as of right now, which is October 8th, 8.33 p.m. Los Angeles time, Biden was in the lead, quote-unquote. It's kind of hard for me to really buy who's in the lead, who's winning and losing right now, especially because of our election in 2016. You know, we all really thought that Hillary was in the lead and Hillary was going to win. And it was such a letdown that me hearing that Biden is in the lead, while great to hear, it's not as supporting as it might be or as it should be, I guess. All right. This is how Politico described the debate. This was a boring, unfocused debate between two well-prepared and polished candidates who had little interest in answering the questions posed to them and were under virtually no pressure from the moderator to do so. And I thought this was a pretty uh, clear description of what I saw on Wednesday. It was kind of a run-of-the-mill debate in that respect. You know, there wasn't any 
back talking, bickering, you know, kind of like what we saw last week, it kind of, you know, reminded us more of a normal debate. But there was obviously, you know, a lot of very strong um, tactics going on on both sides. Kamala actually took a very civil and presidential approach, which I learned is actually not a very typical approach for a vice president, which I wasn't aware of. Um, I guess typically you would throw the vice president in there to kind of like start some shit, do your dirty work, uh, debate, call out on people, you know, kind of bring in the dogs a little bit. But but Kamala really played it very presidential. She was very, very professional. She kept her cool, really went into attack mode, but like very subdued and professional. It was great. So here are some of my big talking points from the debate. Yes, I will get to the fly, but we have to talk about other things first. I promise we will talk about the fly. The first thing I have written here is Kamala Harris called COVID-19 the, quote, greatest failure of any U.S. administration. So just to recap, over 210,000 Americans are dead. Over 7 million people have contracted the virus and over 30 million people have filed for unemployment in the last few months. This is how Trump has handled the pandemic. She mentions Trump's deliberate cover-up of the severity of the virus and withholding necessary information about the spread of the disease. So she, I believe Kamala mentioned a little bit earlier, or maybe it was some, oh, it was Amy Klobuchar that I saw on TV that was talking about her father, I believe, that had gotten COVID. And she was really mad because she was like, you know, I was scrubbing down all of the surfaces and really making sure that all of that was really clean because Trump hadn't made it clear enough that this was an airborne virus. Um, So really, he lacked giving us that information. And his claim, which I believe we've said on the show before, is that he didn't want to panic us. He didn't want us to get scared. So that was kind of his, um, I guess, excuse for why he didn't inform the American people about the severity when both Trump and Pence knew of the severity and knew all of these details about the pandemic back on January 28th, 2020. Absolutely absurd. So another great part that I loved, and I'm sure all of you listeners loved too. If you're a fan of the show, you are a fan of the next quote that I'm about to say. I want it tattooed on my forehead. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Yes, girl. Yes, you are. (laughs) So this happened when Pence tried to talk over Kamala as she was explaining Biden's tax plans. And she had to repeat all of this about a million times because Pence kept saying that Biden was going to raise taxes for those who made under that made under 400,000 a year and that they would ban fracking. Well, Kamala had to repeat this a million times because Pence kept saying that Biden was going to raise taxes for those who made less than 400,000 a year and that they would ban fracking and Kamala had to keep saying over and over and over again that that wasn't true. So Pence kind of like buds into the conversation and Kamala says that epic line that I started this with. When the moderator, Susan Page of USA Today, tried to cut her off, Kamala said, he interrupted me and I'd like to finish. And let me tell you how pumped I got when I heard her say that. To see a woman speak up for her own voice and opinion like that and knowing her worth, taking command and getting results. Like to someone who says yes to everything, wants everyone to like her and just wants everyone else to be happy and comfortable before I feel comfortable. This was really empowering to watch that she really took her space and made sure 
that she got her point across. It's very inspiring to me. And I really hope to one day be one of those women that, you know, doesn't just believe in my worth, but can actually, you know, say it to other people and be that confident in it. It's definitely something that I aspire to be. All right. Well, Pence also defends the Rose Garden event. So for those of you who aren't American or don't know what happened at the end of last week, let me just catch you up really quick. Uh, The Rose Garden event took place on September 26th, where Trump announced his nomination for Amy Coney Barrett to be the new Supreme Court Justice. So since this event, more than 30 people, including the president, have contracted coronavirus after attending. And this was obviously a topic of conversation at the debate. And Pence continued to insist that since they were all outside, they were safe. But the thing is that virtually no one wore masks. People were hugging each other, sitting near each other. And frankly, it looked like my worst nightmare right now, like being stuck with all these people breathing all around me. I think I would have died. Pence says, President Trump and I trust the American people to make choices in the best interest of their health, which is such complete bullshit. People do not make good choices for their health. We, we consume so much fast food. We smoke cigarettes. We overdrink alcohol. We take drugs. Like, you cannot say that you trust every single American to make the best decisions for their health when you have scientists telling you exactly what needs to be done to take care of your health. And they're just saying, yeah, yeah, whatever. We'll just trust people to, you know, get it right. It's just not true. I've been pissed this entire pandemic seeing the neighbor kids with other groups of kids playing unmasked, adults being unmasked. It is just infuriating to me that people are taking so many things up to chance. So for the vice president to say that was incredibly upsetting to me and pissed me the fuck off. Okay, so there was a lot of times that they kind of ducked some questions. Pence definitely ducked a lot of questions, but I actually want to bring up a time that Kamala ducked a question and that was about packing the court. So I don't want to talk about packing the court. Um, They didn't really, like I said, she didn't give an answer. Pence kept, you know, at one point he looked directly into the camera and said, like, her lack of answer is telling you that she's going to pack the court with Biden, which essentially means that they're going to add more seats to the Supreme Court. Kamala actually focused on the importance of the American people having a say in the next Supreme Court justice by voting for the next president. She also dropped some Abe Lincoln knowledge that I didn't know. So I actually went to fact check this and let me double check what website I was on. I got this from the Washington Post. All right, so she tells the story of Honest Abe saying that he wouldn't choose the next Supreme Court justice just 27 days away from the election, which, fun fact, was the same number of days away the 2020 election was as of yesterday during the debate, which was kind of funny. And Abe stated that whoever was voted to be the next president should choose who should fill the seat. But here's the thing. This is where kind of the fact-checking comes in. Like, technically, that's true. Abe did not fill that seat until after he was re-elected president. But there's a bigger story there kind of involving, I was gonna be like, it's kind of political, but obviously everything is political. <laughs> um, kind of some deals, it sounds like, with like a Republican. But essentially, there really was nowhere that Abe said that he believes that the winner of the next election should choose the Supreme Court justice. It just seems like it didn't happen that way. But either way, it was kind of a cool, like, 
history tidbit that I wanted to bring up. And we have a repeat of last week when asked if Trump and Pence would agree to a peaceful transfer of power. And I didn't write this down, but I believe the moderator, Susan Page, also said something about, like, what would your responsibility be in that? And I thought that was such good choice wording like what how would you be responsible in this situation and he simply said that if there was a quote free and fair election he emphasizes he and donald trump will win so he is saying that if you let the american people vote free and fairly which to him means no mail-in ballots Trump will win, which honestly, this is the thing. And I saw this, I believe on, yeah, I saw this on John Oliver this morning where he was talking about how we all need to change our standards for this election. We're so used to getting our president results the day of the election. But the thing is that we're in a pandemic year, you know, so a lot of people are not going to be physically going to the polls. There's going to be a lot of mail-in votes. And there are some states that apparently you can't even send in your mail-in ballot until the day of the election. Apparently, there are tons of hiccups. Like if you don't have like the exact same signature as you have in the past, they might not count your ballot. There are so many things that are so specific about mail-in ballots that Trump and Pence are really, really, really trying so hard to squash because the thing is, the day of the election, Trump might be coming out on top. Honestly, it's probably going to be mostly Republicans and people who don't care about the pandemic who are showing up in person to the polls. So that might give us some false information about who our president is. But they say it could take until like the end of November to get through all of the mail-in ballots and to really be thorough and make sure that everyone is counted correctly. Then we will know for sure who the president will be. Kamala was also asked this question, and she really repeated what Biden said during the presidential debate last week. She just said, you know, the importance of voting and the importance of using your voice and maintaining democracy. This is the biggest thing about our election this year is that we need Biden and Harris to win to maintain our democracy. It is absolutely vital. During the debate, Pence also denied that he doesn't believe in climate change or science. I mean, he kind of like shook his head when Kamala would make those comments, but like, come on, we all know who Pence is. He said he supports the Louisville Grand Jury, uh, he pushed pro-life ideologies, continually boosted Trump's economy while calling Harris more liberal than Bernie Sanders. This actually had both Max and I laughing so hard walking out of the room and our dog was very confused about what was going on. It's just hilarious to me that they can make a claim like that when it's so very clear that both Joe and Kamala are very good at reaching across the aisle. They're very moderate. And honestly, the more I'm watching them, the more I'm liking them as people, the more I'm starting to trust them. And God, I feel like Keegan would be mad at me for saying this. But honestly, I feel pretty good about Joe Biden being in the position that he's in right now, especially because he has Kamala Harris. I feel like the duo is someone right now that might be able to beat Trump and might have been a really good decision. Do I wish Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders was in this situation right now? Yes, of course. But honestly, I think I would be more scared right now because I don't know if as many Americans would be on board for voting for Warren and Sanders as so many Republicans are coming on board with Joe Biden. I think this might have been the ticket that we needed, and I really hate to say that. 
Okay, so the last thing I'm going to mention about the debate is the fly. All I'm going to say, <laughs> this poor fly was stuck on Pence's head for two whole minutes. I seriously thought the fly had died or was stuck to his hair gel, but finally the fly escaped. You know, go on Instagram, go on Twitter. There's a million memes of it. It's great. I'll throw one up on the episode Instagram tomorrow, whatever. It's it's the fucking best. It made everything a little bit better. The fly stole the show. So now that we're done talking about the vice presidential debate, I want to talk a bit about the craziness that's going on with the regular presidential debate. So I don't have a whole lot of like set in stone info here because things are kind of going nuts as of today, Thursday. So Trump has bowed out of the next debate because he refuses to do it virtually. Um, His campaign wants to postpone the final two debates each by a week. And Biden's side says that they do not agree to that. Um, I did read somewhere actually that Biden was okay with having the debate be in person as long as, um, you know, personnel, doctors and everything signed off on it and could ensure the safety. But he was also fine with the virtual debate because obviously. Um, So here's to say Trump doesn't have the authority to change the debate schedule. The only people who can do that are on the debate commission. So Trump is now going after the commission, saying that it's full of Trump hating Republicans and Democrats and he's just a victim and they're out to get him and All of these things. Um, He's saying that he wants to hold an in-person rally on October 22nd instead of a virtual debate. Biden actually also announced that he will be holding a town hall, that he'll be holding a town hall style forum on October 15th in Philadelphia with George Stephanopoulos as the moderator. And if you haven't already, go and watch Joe Biden's town hall from earlier this week. If you haven't, I'm sure they've got clips of it on YouTube. It was so good. He was in Miami speaking with a lot of, you know, on the fence voters. And I thought that he like that was a turning point for me and really like getting behind Joe Biden. And I was very impressed with the way that he answered so many of his questions. Okay, the final horrible thing that I want to talk about is the fact that Derek Chauvin, the man who murdered George Floyd back in May, has been released on a $1 million bond. He was charged with the second and third degree murder and manslaughter of George Floyd, and now all of Floyd's assailants are now currently out on bail. Chauvin was released Wednesday morning, so yesterday morning my time two days ago for y'all. I don't know why that's important for me to add. Um, I don't have any more information than this. I just feel like it's important to know that now everybody who was involved in George Floyd's murder is just like out in the world right now with very little limitations. As far as I'm aware of, he, you know, they can't contact the victim's families. They had to turn over their weapons, but really there's, there's no substantial, um, punishment right now while they wait for trial and that's really upsetting to me so to get out of that last little funk this is something that max told me while i was kind of writing my script for this week and he told me that there's this new feature on yelp where if a business gains attention for reports of racist conduct yelp will place a new business accused of racist behavior alert on their page to inform customers along with a link to a news article where they can learn more So Yelp and 2020 actually did something right. I think this is really, really cool and really great. And I've also seen a lot of companies, you know, right next to certain products, you know, black owned business, woman owned business. 
And I think it's really fantastic that we are advertising uh, the discrepancies and the systemic racism within a lot of businesses in this country. And so, yeah, hit up Yelp next time you want to go somewhere and make sure you're not eating with a bunch of racist motherfuckers. Awesome. So I gave you all the spiel in the beginning about the review, so I'm not going to do that again. But if you do want to write into us, and I'm still saying us because I know Keegan will still check the emails and want to be in touch with you all, go ahead and do so at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can follow us there. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yanf Podcast, Y-A-N-F Podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can go ahead and rate and review us on that business page as well and chat with the other listeners on the group page right yeah wow this is really hard when I'm by myself and I can't like feed off of keeks it's so weird and lastly if you don't already do this please check us out on radio public it is a free app you can listen to us for free they send us a few cents it makes us happy so just like do it right okay that's all we have for you today with all that being said we encourage you I encourage you to rage on God, this is really fucking weird. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.